Hello, Leah. Welcome to Depressed and Shit. I wish my voice sounded better on the microphone. Yours sounds great. Yeah, you got like the LeBron James, Tom Brady <laughs> of voices on the on the microphone. That might be the greatest bit of feedback I have ever received. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome back to Depressed and Shit, where conversations on mental health don't have to look or sound any one specific way. I'm your host, Leah Mata, and I am not a therapist, and this is not a substitute for therapy. Damn, I remember when I first solidified that opening episode lingo back in, I want to say... November 2020 when when the show was just like a little baby piece of 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 play-doh and and actually I was spending every week in therapy the whole hour crying to my therapist about whether or not this show that I was working on for fun for fun she says for fun if it was you know, just like an utter piece of shit, or if people thought I was, I don't know, dumb, the literal worst thing a person could be, apparently. I don't know, but I will say, welcome to the finale of season one. I can't believe I'm saying those words, and it is causing me to look back on how fucking insecure I was when I first began this show. Fun! So... This week, I decided to do things a little differently. I'm a nostalgic person, for one, and I'm also a person that believes in the power of self-reflection and shit. So I reached out to the depressed guests that have been on the show since the first episode dropped on October 7, 2020, and I gave them optional homework. I invited them to send me a voice memo answering one of two prompts. Where you're at now in life, like emotionally, physically, in relation to where you were when your first episode came out, or a reaction you had of any kind to your episode when it first came out. Here's what I got. It's interesting because in hindsight, when I look back at Leah and I's conversation, I was so sort of weighed down by the uncertainty of what the holidays would look like. And it was so helpful to acknowledge, like to acknowledge that like the holidays were not going to be the ideal and they weren't going to live up to many expectations um, and that they were going to be a little disappointing. And it was interesting because in sort of acknowledging that and just making space for the, the honesty surrounding that, I actually found that when the holidays did happen, I really enjoyed them in part because I just acknowledged and talked about it wasn't going to be the norm and it might be a little disappointing. Um, We also discussed how grief and gratitude can coexist, which is something that when Leah reached out to me about the interview, I just really started to think about. And that was kind of the major theme of 2020 for me personally, um, was that we were all collectively grieving the loss of a lot of intangible things, um, community, hugs, although I guess hugs are tangible, but you know what I mean. Um, but I also felt really grateful for a lot of things during that year that we managed to survive, <laughs> that we stayed healthy, that um, we still got to, I got to spend the holidays with with my husband and my daughter. And so 
Um, when I think about my mental health this year uh, compared to last year, I'm not going to lie, it's much better. Um, I feel less anxious, less sad, le- you know, there's less rumination because I'm out and about and seeing people that I love and I've gotten to do some traveling as restrictions were lifted and I got vaccinated and, you know, all that stuff really helped my mental health. And I have continued to be in therapy periodically too throughout the pandemic. And and even now I feel myself in the beginnings of a season where I'm no longer in survival mode constantly. And I'm settling back into quote unquote, a normal day-to-day ups and downs, but not this, the feelings of intensity that that 2020 brought. And I'm really grateful for that. That was Hannah, whose episode dropped back in November, right as Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas and the whole shebang was awkwardly looming in the near future. And many of us were experiencing a sort of conflicting, weird blend of feelings about it. But this experience Hannah shares of discovering unexpected positive outcomes was actually a common thread I started to notice in the voice memos I received back from people. Here's Kai, whose episode, What the Fuck We've Learned This Year, Do We Even Want to Look Back Though, (laughs) dropped right around New Year's. Uh, I think during my episode, that was end of the year 2020, I was a bit nomadic for most of 2020 and even some of 2019, and we were discussing that sort of lifestyle. What's funny is literally a few weeks after that, I had an opportunity present itself to move to New York, and I've been here in Brooklyn for the past six months and have basically fallen in love with the city. There's so much going on here in New York. feels very alive very vibrant, Uh, so many different kinds of people, the variety of people that you see on the subway. It's been a very beautiful experience this past six months. And I would just encourage you all to trust. Trust in that if you are in a place where you are kind of hopping around, whether it's Um, where you're living or in another aspect of your life, maybe relationships, maybe career, in any form, if you feel a little lost or in a wandering mode. I do truly believe that if you keep an open mind and an open heart, there is a knowing. Like I remember it only took maybe two, three weeks in New York And I really started settling into this knowing of like, this is where I want to be. This is the place for me, at least for the next few years, or at least in this moment, there's like this feeling of of home and like joy. I believe we get what we accept. We get what we think we deserve. And the more and more you work on your self-worth, in your um, sense of self, self-esteem, the more you care about your life experience and you are less willing to compromise on settling for some life experience that isn't, isn't actually what you want. You're more willing to enforce your boundaries and speak your truth and say no. Say no to what doesn't serve you. Say yes to new opportunities. You're willing to step into discomfort in the, with an optimistic mindset that it might be 
might meet this new beautiful thing you experience. Yeah. On the theme of positivity, not toxic positivity, okay, honey? A lot of folks talked about receiving surprisingly positive reactions to their episodes, especially considering the stigmatized subject matter that they were talking about, right? Now, normalizing mental health convos is obviously a major fucking goal of this show, but I'd be lying if I said that all subjects are created equal. Here's Emily, who came on the show to discuss her recent diagnosis of bipolar disorder, followed by Reggie, who came on to talk about his experiences with suicidal thoughts. And I'd say that they were both tackling some especially intense stigmas. So it was definitely interesting to hear my episode and hear what it sounded like for everyone else to hear about my journey. It was definitely hard to listen to at times just because, you know, sharing something like this is insanely personal. And I always I have a tendency to overshare and I always wonder, (laughs) was that too much? Easy too much? Um, But in any case, it definitely... Um, resonated with some people for sure because I got a lot of people reaching out to say how much they enjoyed listening to it and how um, it explained a lot of my behavior. (laughs) And then I had one friend reach out to me who is a friend from college and I love her. And it's something I hadn't talked to her about directly. Something interesting she said was that it was hard for her to listen to because she didn't want it to be true for me. She didn't want this, you know, burden of this kind of a mental illness to be true for me but that when she got to the end of the episode she was super proud and you know yes of course it explained a lot of my behavior in the past but that you know she said that she was proud of me and that she was hopeful for the future and I thought you know that was really nice to hear and then I had other friends reach out and friends of friends reach out who had recently been diagnosed with something similar and who wanted to talk about it. So I do think overall, you know, sharing is the best way to go. It's hard. And it's, like I said, again, hard not to judge yourself for oversharing because something like this is deeply personal. But at the same time, like that's the point of doing it. There shouldn't be a stigma around it. We all have shit. Um, So no regrets. It's also worth noting that I am still on the lithium and I actually with the blessing of my psychiatrist took a period of time where I tried to see if I could go off of it and that was not a good choice (laughs) turns out it really is doing something for me so have to get over the stigma about drugs because they work your show has meant so much to me I've learned a lot about um really just life in general. I've learned so much. I mean, you've touched on so many different topics. And I mean, I feel like you touched on things that people just don't hear about, things that people don't know about. Uh, one of my favorite episodes, I would have to say was, um, I think it was called Money's Not Money. No, Time Isn't Money, Honey. Sorry. And, uh, as far as my episode goes, feedback was amazing. And um, you have no idea. Like, I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to get all emotional on here, but that episode, uh, just getting that out, I would say it really changed my life in like a good way because before, you know, a lot of that stuff I sort of kept to myself, you know, other than, you know, when I talked to my therapist and close friends. But uh, after that episode aired, um, I got very positive feedback 
And I was really surprised by that. And as far as, you know, where I'm at right now, I would say I'm in a pretty good to okay space. I would say more so on the okay. Uh, you know, I'm working to get towards that good space. But yeah, I would say I'm in a pretty good to, to okay space, which, um, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that right now. And as far as um, therapy goes for me, uh, I'm taking a break from therapy just for the summer because um, the program I was in, it was a program through USC and the students and faculty, they're, they're out of school for the summer. So, you know, I'm being kind of forced to take a break, which, um, you know, can be cool. But yeah, I just want to tell you, thank you again. Uh, you've got a loyal fan in me. I listen every week. It's almost like, well, I don't want to say it's almost like therapy because I do go to therapy, but I listen to it every week. Just like I go to therapy every week, you know, other than the break I'm about to take, just how your show is about to take a break for the summer. So I think that's kind of cool because, um, your show and my therapy kind of line up. I literally will listen to your show and then the next day go to therapy. After listening to, to my episode, I just feel... I feel very accomplished in a sense that I'm eight months sober now. I said what, you know, what I said uh, in the interview and I stuck to it. A lot of uh, a lot of situations that I had to put myself in where I felt really uncomfortable, you know, but now I'm able to go out. Now I'm able to have fun without any type of drugs or alcohol. My mental state of being has has um, improved drastically. I still see Eddie. I'm still learning, I'm still human, and I still feel. It's just, it's beautiful listening to to the growth. It's beautiful listening to yourself um, at that at that present moment. And and it, there's just one way to go from here on out, and, and that's con- that's to continue to go forward and forward and progress, and to never forget that you're human. You will have off days you will have days that you feel like shit but those are just temporary the key is to just be gentle with yourself and and just live in the present moment that's eric when we connected back in january he had only been sober for a few months at that point I find his mental and spiritual growth so moving and eric if you are listening i'm fucking proud of you Next up, we hear from a man whose experience with time passing is a similarly significant one. Here's Jamie, who was already on hormone replacement therapy when we first spoke back in November of 2020. And with the slow yet steady passing of time, he continues on his transition. The many wonders of transitioning definitely involve how fast you evolve while you're in the process. Imagine the same development you went through from your teenhood to your 20s. Most people look back on the person they were then and cringe, but remember that it took several years to go from one period to the other. Now, in second puberty, I'm experiencing that exact same growth. However, instead of years, it's going by in weeks and months. The me from eight months ago isn't nearly as evolved as I am right now. I look back on that little boy and think, oh, if only he knew what was coming next. Something interesting happened over the last month or so. I realized with my tea dosage that I had been injecting slightly more than what was prescribed. I'm prescribed 2.0 milliliters. I was injecting 2.2 to 2.25. But here's the 
freaky part. It was fine. I felt great. My T levels were always wonderful or appropriate when I would get lab results back until I realized I was doing the wrong dosage. So about four weeks ago, I put it back down to what was prescribed at 2.0, and it was a disaster. It sent me back into all of my pre-T symptoms. I felt disconnected. I was depressed. I was basically a shell of myself until I realized a week ago what I had done. Thankfully, I was able to catch my dose error, and I put it back up to what I had been doing. Right now, I feel wonderful. I feel normal. I feel like I have a new lease on understanding how the, my body processes my hormones. I used to worry about drinking and foods that could lower natural T levels and missing workouts. But now from that experience that I know what low T really feels like, I feel like I have a new start basically, or like I don't have to worry about any of those things ever again. And what else was really touching is that all of those same mental health experiences with self-love and self-compassion that I talked about in my episode really came into play while I was figuring out what was wrong with my dose and why my body felt so awful when I switched it back down. Sort of those moments where you realize, hey, you haven't lost anything. Your transition hasn't gone anywhere. You're still the wonderful man you're becoming. You just feel like shit. Question, is talk therapy like low-hanging fruit as far as things I can say on this show that will help you with your mental health? Well, I don't care because, yes, it does. And both Tony and Natalie are here to back me the fuck up. Tony came on the show in the winter to discuss the intersection of his chronic physical pain with his mental pain. And Natalie came on to discuss how therapy pretty much changed her life experience with chronic anxiety. Since we last spoke, I do think I'm in a much better place now. I now have tools that I can use to combat um, that anxiety and depression that I was really dealing with. In comparison, like, I want to think back, you know, a few months ago or even um, last year. It was it was really bad. My anxiety was so bad that I, I couldn't function. Um, it would just take a hold of me and it was I do whatever my anxiety tells me to do or nothing like I, I had no other choice it's really hard to explain but you know to whoever has experienced it they, they know what I'm talking about but you know I've, I'm still working with my therapist um, I actually just had a conversation with them um, about possibly you know I was doing I was doing once a week uh, therapy sessions and I think we're going to go with every other week right now because things seem to be going good and if you remember you know my issue was mainly it, it started around with or I guess I can say it evolved when I started dealing with some chronic pain issues. A lot of things played a role and basically messed up my head when it came to like diagnosis and just a bunch of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I still work with my physical therapist and I have my, you know, other therapists that I work with. And I think a, the combination of those two have helped a lot. My therapist is one that, you know, specializes in, in chronic pain. So there are some techniques that are still new to, uh, I guess, mainstream therapy but not unheard of they're just kind of used a bit differently um but yeah I'm, I'm in a lot better place now I can you know I can function at work better I can perform at work more uh whereas a few months ago it just some days I just I couldn't focus on work at all I would get nothing done because 
of the way uh, I was thinking, the way my mentality was, and that's looking a lot better. I just want to say, you know, for, for anyone that might be struggling right now, maybe they just started or they've been struggling for a bit, this is uh, something that takes patience. It takes time, and you just can't give up. You know, you have to find things that work for you. I personally would definitely recommend seeing a therapist. Some people think of therapy as just uh, talk about things that maybe you struggled with as a child, but that's not always the case. It's basically working on trying to help you function better and make you feel better overall and things that you can do on your own when you do have episodes of whatever it is that you have going on. Uh, I just definitely recommend looking for help. And as long as you have uh, the willpower to keep moving, then there will always be someone or something there that can help you. More than ever now, I feel like I'm definitely understanding therapy more than ever now these past particular two to three weeks. Um, a lot has, you know, improved. Um, I definitely think I, since being on the podcast, I feel a lot healthier um, in terms of like learning to put bound, set boundaries with people, um, not being afraid to say no to things and also, you know, taking time for myself. I'm definitely someone, you know, I think coming from the entertainment industry, you know, I work my day job or, you know, side gigs and also as well as, you know, trying to pursue projects. So I definitely think um, ever since the podcast, I'm definitely learning to embrace, you know, taking those breaks or even if it's like, you know, an hour to myself every day, you know, whether it's watching TV, going for a walk or even just taking a nap, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to definitely, you know, apply that to my everyday life from here on out. I think that's just something, you know, that's one of my goals. It's definitely, you know, definitely, you know, reward myself more. Um, I think that's something everyone should learn to do, you know, especially, you know, listen to our bodies. You know, there've been multiple times I want to say, you know, even after the podcast for a bit, you know, I felt physically, mentally burned out. I would still force myself to do work. And, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to say I regretted doing that, but it definitely took a toll on my body more. So I'm definitely learning to enjoy the little things in life. You know, those quote-unquote little things are you know they're also achievements too so I definitely you know from here on out I'm definitely going to continue to focus on that and do what's best for my mind. I got to connect on a pretty intimate level with a lot of friends and acquaintances of mine over the last year and that was super cool but I also talked very intimately like deep personal shit with strangers too. Jarrett is one of those strangers and I'm really honored to have talked with him so openly. He came on the show to talk about ayahuasca and, and psychedelics in general and their antidepressant potential. And he's one of the few guests that I know of that had to deal with some heat from folks after his episode came out. It was a bummer to hear and that is the risk we take, I guess, taking on stigmatized subject matter. The reaction I got from my episode, at least in the like running community and the people I told about it that knew I was going on, was very supportive. Obviously, I heard about you through Carrie. Reached out to you and appreciate you letting me talk about it because I feel like psychedelic treatment is something that could help depression. Obviously, it doesn't always do so, but I feel like it's something that, that should at least be explored. A lot of my friends from like junior high, high school, they saw it as well. They were supportive. My twin brother, my mom, they were supportive as well. Um, one interesting thing about my mom, so I just 
kind of, you know, I just posted your story and before I even sent it to them. And somebody from my church actually sent it to my mom before I got a chance to. So she got it through a text message. So and I'm not sure the the reaction from the church wasn't really positive, I guess I, I would say. Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm not in a church, but yeah, but it wasn't really like all that great. Uh, so it is what it is. But then I kind of mentioned that as well on my social media and my friends gave me some positive reinforcement like no you if there's something that helped you and there's something that you believe in then you know don't don't apologize for anything so that was lovely to get that feedback from people and as far as I'm doing now I'm still going through some things I'm still trying to do better and like work on how I think and you know, my self-talk and how I view certain situations, that sort of thing. I am working again, so uh, I know I had a little tangent where I talked about people being mad about unemployment and all that. And even though I was interviewing, I realized, like, I wasn't, during the pandemic, I wasn't really in that mind space where I needed to be to be successful at the interviews. I have a job now, and it's actually a very supportive team. I haven't told them about psychedelics or anything, but... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they're very supportive and they, you know, whatever I ask, you know, if I say like, oh, I don't, I'm not feeling this or I feel this way, that way, they're very, you know, I've been in some situations at different jobs where you ask for help and they're like, no, I'm not going to help you right now. And it's nice to be on a good team again. So I haven't had any other trips lately, really, like just minor stuff, but I'm going to do DMT soon. So we'll see how that goes. That should be interesting. Yeah, I just, I just, I just want to have the proper setting setting. But I do plan on doing the uh, non-drug related. But yeah, I do plan on doing the LA marathon again this year. It's a week before my birthday, so I need to get back to running and do that. I'm looking forward to that. I, I feel like I'm coming out of that dark cloud. So, and I think you helped with that. So I appreciate. Everything you do, keep mowing. I'm going to keep listening. Love you, Leah. I saved some wonderful, poignant shit to send you off with. And, and, and allow me to forever clarify that shit, whenever uttered by my sarcastic lips, bears nothing but an endearing, loving definition to it. Here's Connor, resident therapist in training, Uncut, unedited. Yo. Um, so I know that my interview uh, was not that long ago. It was, I think, only kind of a few weeks ago. But I've been reflecting on, you know, where I'm at emotionally, psychologically now, as opposed to those few weeks ago. And in those few weeks, uh, I went through finals at school. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> in the grad program, and I did an assignment for my assessment class that was working on the kind of clinical diagnostic information for a potential client. Um, and I decided it was an option to, you know, write about someone that you know, or I know that some of my classmates picked um, literary characters and worked 
kind of going through and diagnosing them. It's this like 12 page document where you're kind of, our, our, our professor gave us the template for it. And then you're filling out all of the crucial information about this potential client, um, ultimately culminating in whatever the diagnosis is, the diagnostic codes from the DSM, um, and the evidence that you have that led you to that particular diagnosis. Um, it was an option to do ourselves. And so I did myself, (laughs) um, and wrote pretty extensively about my experience with, um, with OCD, with anxiety, with the, you know, kind of traumatic inciting incident from a few years ago. And that kind of kicked all of this seemed to, to kick off the stress response that then, uh, kicked off the OCD in a, in a new way. Um, and it was fascinating. And I told my therapist after doing it, you know, there, there was this whole kind of section about signs and symptoms and, you know, going through it, I knew that it was horrible. I didn't have the language for what was going on at the time. So, you know, it was, it was months of figuring out how to, you know, kind of accurately describe the experience that was happening or discover that there were words for what I was experiencing. And I wasn't the only person in the world, you know, with like derealization or depersonalization. Um, and anyways, writing it out, writing out the signs and symptoms specifically, and kind of then having it all on paper to look at was really, um, moving and kind of profound, just because I have discovered that I am someone that kind of doesn't, doesn't want to cut myself slack (laughs) or be patient with myself. I mean, I've become more so, but looking at the signs and symptoms, I was like, damn, like that was really fucked up. That was really fucked up and really hard. And like, I know that on some level, but to see it laid out like that was, 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 yeah, was kind of profound. And I felt, and this is what I said to my therapist, like I felt like I was kind of honoring myself and my experience by witnessing it on paper like that. And, and recognizing that I've, you know, kind of made a lot of progress from that particular place where I I really was, you know, three years ago. Uh, So that's something that's happened since we spoke. And yeah, kind of learning to to honor my experience and, you know, again, kind of allow myself to still be struggling with things. Like it doesn't all have to be fixed. It it was a, it was a big, it was, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot of shit. Um, and it feels good to acknowledge that and uh, be proud of myself for where I am now. And also, you know, honor the fact that none of us are, are like perfect or ever going to be perfect, whatever that even kind of means to me. We're all still in process that, that feels, I'm still in process. That feels um, meaningful. Yo, words cannot express my gratitude to you for your listenership. I am sorry to throw cliches at you at the end of an emotional episode, but it is just the damn truth. I started this podcast because 
I had too, too much bullshit quarantine time on my hands to sit and ruminate on my sad thoughts. And although the sad thoughts did not magically disappear, the human connection I felt from speaking with each person each week, speaking with listeners like you, made me feel so much less alone. Season two will arrive, but I'm going to throw this out there. I need help this time around. I plan to spend this summer working to access funding so that I can pay people to help me with producing, public relations, and marketing. If you have any thoughts to offer on finding that funding, um, honey, you hit me up at depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. The Instagram page is also going to stay active throughout the summer. So stay in touch. <laughs> So I remember being like really fucking awkward in the intro for the first episode back in November. It's still posted. I have not removed it. It was recommended to me that I redo all the intros from the early episodes to clean them up. And I was like, mm, I don't know. They're kind of like a special time capsule there. But I'm going to honor myself by being just as fucking awkward at the end of this season closing episode. <laughs> So I thought about saying, stay depressed, y'all, as a little tag, but that's fucked up. I don't want you to stay depressed, okay? Depressed is not like manic pixie dream girl sexy bullshit. So instead, I'll just say, bye! Depressed and Shit was recorded in a real live bedroom in Los Angeles, California. Music by Eric England, logo designed by Carrie Weiss, produced and hosted by Real Honest Batch, Liamata. Do you have reactions to today's episode? Do you have an experience with mental health you'd like to share? Or are you the baby angel from the heavens that wants to donate to cover administrative costs and all that fun shit? Email us at depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. No asterisk here, folks. That's just the logo. Shit is spelled S-H-I-T. Bye-bye. To repeat, depressedandshitpodcast at gmail.com. See you next Wednesday. Continue kicking ass and and I wish you uh, nothing but good vibes. Later.